In Matthew 27, the scripture says, The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter, speaking of Jesus who was now dead, said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. And then in Luke's account, Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Skipping down to verse 36 of that same chapter, Luke 24, verse 36 says, As they were talking about these things, all the disciples gathered in a room, fearful, not knowing what's going on. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit or a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's try that one more time. That's your response. Amen is good, but on Easter Sunday, it's He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. 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 You may be seated. We want to welcome you to East LJ Baptist Church, where we have been captivated by the beauty of the risen Christ. And it's our prayer for you that you will see Jesus' beauty and His power today. And that you'll leave here captivated by him. On your way out this morning, uh, I want you to pick up a couple of gifts from our church family to yours. Uh, first of all, for the children, there's, there's some of these. So maybe one per family. I don't know how many we got to go around. Uh, Easter stories. Uh, this is a, a kind of an expert excerpt from the biggest story Bible book, Storybook. Something you may want to get for your children. Uh, but pick one of those up. Easter stories inside. And then also, should have plenty of these. Um, 
Pick up this, it's called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And a journalist investigates evidence for the resurrection. So maybe you're here and you're skeptical today. You came with a family member. You don't really buy resurrection. Lee Strobel didn't buy it either. He was an atheist. And after his wife came to Christ and believed in a risen Savior, he began to try to disprove her faith. And yet through the truth and the evidence of uh, history and archaeology and, and all sorts of things, he came to science. He, he came to, to believe in the Lord Jesus, and he follows him today. So take that and read that if you have any doubts yourself. But also take this and hand it to somebody this week that needs Jesus, that may be struggling to believe that we worship a living and resurrected Savior. Hand them this little book. Um, let them read that and let God deal with them as they uh, deal with the truth. And so there's some gifts for you as you leave today. Frank Miller's going to come now and share with us uh, a brief missions update about one of our missionaries. And then uh, on your way out this morning, we'll be receiving our quarterly foreign mission offering as well as our, our regular offering as you're leaving. And just as you exit the place, there'll be a couple different receptacles for that. Just make sure you see the difference, regular offering versus missions. But uh, this is how we support our foreign missionaries is a, a quarterly offering. And so, Frank, come and share with us about Paul and Marla Fields. Amen. We're so grateful to um, be able to do what God has called us to do as a missions committee and as a church. This past year, God just blessed us abundantly, and we have been able to do various ministries. And that's the work of the church, amen? amen. God did not call us to sit and, as some have said, sour and soak. God's called us to go out and reach the nations. And some of us, it means just reaching that neighbor next door. God's called all of us to be his mission, his voice. And so I'm, I'm high, we're highlighting today, uh, as P Pastor said, Paul and Marla Fields that served in Paraguay for over 39 years. And those of you who have been part of this church family... The fields go back a long time in missions. We know that their um, Paul's parents, Ma, we call them Ma and Pa, fields, uh, they served in Kenya, and today they are buried in Kenya. Think about that. They went, and they didn't come back. But oh my, is God having a wonderful time with those that have taken it all, not worried about the stuff that they've got, and they went to the foreign missions and went and died there for his cause. But Paul and Marla, we are so grateful to them. One of the things that, that is uh, so vitally important is after they had come back from Paraguay, they set out to train other missionaries. So part of your support uh, for your missions today is going towards them as they train missionaries to go back in the field. And so we just want to uh, highlight them this morning that through your giving, you are participating in every missionary that they train. Think about that. And we're so grateful to have part of that uh, to be able to uh, to give to them as they train other missionaries. Uh, be in prayer for them um, 
as they head back to Paraguay, they're going to be going back uh, on May the 10th to preach the 40th anniversary of the Maranatha Baptist Church in Palma Loma that they organized 40 years ago. So folks, I just want to encourage you to give and pray. Please pray. If you don't think that our world is in need for the gospel, you haven't looked at the news lately. And we're praying that you will be generous again in giving and that God will bless as you pray and give for missions this morning. Amen. Amen. Join me as we pray. Father, thank you that you have called us to yourself, made us part of the body of Christ, and given us the privilege of, first of all, knowing you as Father and being children of God. But Lord, to think that you would use us, jars of clay, Lord, just un, un insufficient and, and unworthy servants, Lord, and yet you've brought us into your mission. You've made us part of what you're doing in the world. You've given us a, a mission to go to our neighbors and to the nations. And so, Father, we do want to pray this morning for Paul and Martha Fields as they equip missionaries to go to the ends of the earth there in North Carolina. Lord, bless them, strengthen them. Just use the wisdom that you've given them through the years Lord, let it just flow into the lives of young men and women as they uh, prepare to go to wherever it is you may have called them. Father, we exalt your name this morning for loving us to the extent of sending your own son to bear all of your wrath toward our sins through the horrors of crucifixion, even as we considered on Friday night. But then on the third day, how we praise you that on the third day, Jesus, you rose from the dead in victorious power over an enemy never before conquered, even death itself. Thank you that we worship the only true and living Savior and reigning King today. We pray for our neighbors who need to know Jesus personally as well as the nations who have yet to hear the truth about Jesus. We pray for many who are sick and grieving this morning, that today the resurrection of Christ would give them hope in their pain and in their suffering. And we ask you, Lord, to come in power by your Spirit during this time and work in our hearts this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name and for his glory in this place today. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. Greet those around you. You don't have to even move. We're, we've got a big enough crowd this morning. You haven't got to move, Hardy. Just greet those around you. Introduce yourself to someone you don't know. And we'll enter into worship in just a moment. How's that decibel meter? I got it.
together. Jesus. 
Oh. 
such a great time of worship this morning. <coughs> Just to be able to celebrate the one who called us out to be his sons and daughters. It's Amen. awesome. Yeah. 
Is he worthy? Is he worthy? 
Lord Jesus, indeed, you and you alone are worthy. For you and you alone perfectly fulfilled the law of God, suffered in your own body on that tree the justice and wrath of God toward our sins. You had no sin. But God laid on you the iniquity of us all that as a sacrificial lamb of God you might take away the sins of the world. And having died on the third day, you rose again. And because you overcame death and fully paid the price, because you finished the work required for the glory of God and the salvation of sinners, Lord, you and you alone are worthy. You're worthy. And one day you will take the scrolls and you will unfold the ending of all things, the culmination of all things, and we will be with you forever. I thank you that we serve, by your grace, a living Savior. And I pray, God, that today for your people, those who know you through faith in Jesus Christ, that, Lord, we would be made more confident, compassionate, and bold with the truth of the resurrection. The gospel message that alone can save. And Father, if there's anyone listening via live stream or in this room today who's yet to trust Jesus as the resurrected Savior, then I pray by your Spirit and through your Word you would convince them that Jesus lives today. And because He lives, they too can be fully pardoned, declared righteous before a holy God, made a son or daughter of the living God, and have the hope every day of eternity in your presence, even as we walk in the power of your indwelling spirit in obedience to Christ. They can know that life and that hope and that eternity. So be our teacher now, we pray. Thank you for your precious word that we have in the Bible. Jesus, as the living words speak, now we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians 15. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Scriptures will be on the screen in front of you, at least most of them. Pastor Jared Wilson made this statement, We worship a death-proof king. Now, that was kind of a big deal that I think you missed. So let's try that again. If you know Jesus today, we worship a death-proof king. Jesus told us this. In John 11, verses 25 and 26, he says to, to Martha, just prior to raising Lazarus from the dead, I am the resurrection and the life. 
It's what he claimed about himself. And then he looked at Martha and he said, do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And isn't it all that simple today? That's the question for you this morning. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Does it really matter whether or not Jesus actually and physically and bodily was raised from the dead? Does that really matter? Or can we just have nice thoughts, however we want to have them, about the resurrection? And use all the right spiritual words, but they don't really have to mean literal, bodily, physical resurrection. Does it really matter? It certainly does. It's a crucial question. And God's Word gives us an answer that is as clear as it is straightforward. This morning from 1 Corinthians 15, the title is simply this, Resurrection Matters. Resurrection Matters. The take-home truth is this, the literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important event in human history, bar none. Therefore, and I don't want you to miss this next part, therefore, your response, not somebody sitting next to you, nobody you brought along with you this morning, you, we're talking, therefore, your response to the literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most critical decision you will ever make in this life. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul teaches us that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then according to the Bible itself, according to Paul himself, then three realities result. So we're looking at the truth of the resurrection, the reality that Jesus did rise from the dead, by considering what might be true, what would be true if he did not rise from the dead. How big a deal is it? Paul argues for this in 1 Corinthians 15 by showing us what would be true if he has not risen. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then number one, God is a liar. That's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. That makes all kind of sense, don't it? If the dead are not raised, God's a liar because God said he raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul said, in fact, we're, we're liars along with God because we've told you that God said that he raised Jesus from the dead. There is no resurrection of the dead. God is a liar because, several reasons here, the Old Testament foretold the resurrection of Jesus. In Psalm 16, verse 10, a Messianic psalm, it says, Because you will not abandon me, it's as if Messiah is speaking, 
you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. Now, we know that that is a messianic reference due to the New Testament quotations and applications of that text by Jesus himself. You can go over to our applications of that text to Jesus himself. Acts 2, 27 and 31, if you want to make a note and look at that later. Also, Acts 13, verse 35, where the New Testament writers, the apostles, apply that verse to speak of the resurrection of Jesus. But if there is no resurrection from the dead, God is a liar, because there in the Old Testament, God foretold the resurrection of Jesus. But also, if there's no resurrection from the dead, God is a liar, because Jesus foretold his own resurrection. John chapter 2, verse 19 Jesus answered them and said, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They were standing in front of the actual temple there in Israel, in Jerusalem. But the people questioning him were talking about that building. He was talking about his body. They replied, It's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple was, had spoken of was his body, and he was. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. You see, if Jesus, if there's no resurrection of the dead, God is a liar because Jesus foretold his own resurrection. Also, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then we have a real problem. With many passages in the New Testament, like Acts 1, verse 3, where it says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. I mean, if he's not risen from the dead, if that's not a possibility, then what's this all about? He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. After the resurrection, Jesus purposely showed himself to his followers in order to prove to them that he was alive. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then Jesus himself is a liar. If there's no resurrection of the dead, God is a liar also because Jesus' apostles, speaking for God, preached the resurrection of the dead. We just read a minute ago Paul's testimony to that effect. He said, look, if, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then I'm a, I'm, I'm a liar because I, I, my preaching is that Jesus lives. Acts 4, verse 33 is another example of that. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then God is a liar. Secondly, this morning, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then faith in Christ is useless. Does it really matter if Jesus physically rose from the dead? You bet it does. Because if he didn't, there is no, God's a liar. But secondly, faith in Christ is useless. Listen to it from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then faith in Christ is useless because Christ is dead. And it doesn't matter if your forebears put their trust in Jesus as their Savior. It doesn't matter that he died on the cross if he's still dead. All that would mean is that the cross didn't work because he stayed dead. 
He died just like anybody else. And it doesn't matter how sincere your faith in Jesus has been. If he's still dead, your faith is futile. Paul says, you are still in your sins if Jesus is not raised. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then faith in Christ is useless. Because there's no forgiveness of sins. If Jesus Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Jesus' death, without Jesus' resurrection, listen to me, could not save. We talked about this Friday night. The two are inextricably linked. Jesus' death, without Jesus' resurrection, could not save. That's what Paul's teaching here. He would just be a dead prophet who died for a cause, not a living Savior. Whose payment actually paid it all, whose work actually finished it all, as proven by the fact that he beat death and rose again. Romans 4 verse 25 says this about our salvation. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life, resurrected, for our justification. And so what that means by corollary, corollary is this. If he wasn't raised, then you can't be justified before a holy God. Jesus had to be raised in order for there to be justification, in order for any person to be made right, declared righteous before holy God. Now, you might be thinking, I thought the broken body and shed blood of Jesus were the important things. We spent a whole service thinking about his suffering on Friday night. And believe me, important they are. Amen? And they are most important because Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. However, had not Christ been raised from the dead, his death on the cross would have, been, would, would have simply been empty and meaningless. Just another prophet doing something crazy, didn't know when to stop, got himself killed, and that'd be it. So, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then no forgiveness of sins is available. The cross was a failure. And Jesus was a loser and is still the prisoner of death. But if there's no resurrection from the dead, then faith in Christ is useless also because there's no eternal life with God. Verse 18 says, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. So many of my family just hoped against hope. And guess what? It didn't work if Christ is not raised from the dead. (laughs) They're not in heaven. They're not anywhere. There's no immortality. There's no eternal life. How big of a deal is it if you personally believe that Jesus was physically, bodily, literally raised from the dead? It's a big deal. You've got to throw the whole package out if you throw the resurrection out. If, we're still, if we are still, as Paul says here, in our sins, then when we die, just like those who've already died, we perish. We're eternally damned under the just judgment of holy God against our sins, and we're dead, just like Jesus is dead, if the dead aren't raised. We die, and it's over. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then faith in Christ is useless. But thirdly, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then 
Trying to follow Jesus is ridiculous. Verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 15. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. I mean, we're just blooming idiots, y'all. If Jesus isn't alive today, we're doing what the whole rest of the world does with, with, with their various religions. We're just following a dead man. We're imitating some stuff a dead guy said one time, but he's dead. And we're idiots. <laughs> because he calls us to give our lives, if that's what it takes, to get the gospel to the nations. You've got to be kidding me. For a dead guy? I mean, how dumb can we all be? That's what Paul's saying here. If the dead are not raised, then trying to follow Jesus is ridiculous. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Why would we even want to follow Jesus if he's still dead, right? All of our dying to self in order to serve and obey Jesus is for nothing, Paul says, if Jesus is, was not physically raised from the dead. If there is no hope of eternal life with God, then all that is done now in service to God, hear me, it won't matter at all. If we have no real hope of ever seeing God face to face and living with Him eternally, then to give our lives to make Him known is, quite frankly, a ridiculous and stupid option for us to choose while we're still here on earth. We are, as Paul said, of all people most to be pitied. The world ought to feel sorry for us. We're crazy. If Jesus is still dead, then we should rather, says the Apostle Paul, we should just suck all the pleasure, whatever form it takes, that we can get out of this life. Because hear me, this is it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 30. As for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day, Paul says. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes... What have I gained? Listen, listen to this next statement. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Paul's like, man, I'm suffering for, them, for this message that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. I, I mean, I'm in constant danger. I, I mean, I've been nearly killed a bunch of times, been in prison a bunch of times. Paul just looks at the Corinthian church. He said, listen, y'all going to throw, y'all, you know, somebody snuck in there with some false teaching. They were beginning to question the, the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus. And, and Paul just says, look, if you throw that out, let me just tell you what the deal is. You just, need to, you just need to forget anything and just go have a good time because this is it. Eat and drink. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. How does that apply to you today? As John Piper says, what Paul is saying here is if there is no resurrection, then what makes sense for Christians all across America is middle-class moderation to maximize earthly pleasures. That makes sense. Living the American dream makes perfect sense if there is no resurrection from the dead. 
Because, hey, this is all there is. And getting your piece of the pie, the American pie, the American dream, it's all there is in life. There is no eternity. How many of us are doing our dead-level best at living that out? Professing to love the only resurrected and true Savior, but living out middle-class moderation to maximize earthly pleasures. By the way, which is the right way to live only if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Only if Jesus is still dead because this life is all there really is. Don't waste your time with sacrifice and extreme commitment to tell others about Jesus and loving your neighbors sacrificially so they can believe too. Don't waste your time raising your kids to believe the most important thing in life is worshiping and witnessing for Jesus no matter the cost. In fact, if the dead aren't raised, teach them that having fun is what it's really all about. Doing whatever they love to do and making as much money as they can doing it. Tell them that's what life's all about. Because I'm telling you, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, that's all they'll ever get. Worship with all of your heart and your life and your time. Money, pleasure, fun, success, power, position. And teach those kids, those precious kids, to do the same. Because this is all there is if Jesus is still dead. Why would you waste what little time you have trying to imitate a dead man and influence others, especially your kids, to follow him? I mean, that's just ludicrous. In fact, we would actually be cruel for attempting to convert people to something that, only, that ends at death. No, but if the dead are not raised, we should pull out all the stops and get all the immediate gratification that we can. We should, as many of us are, and we all at some points do, idolize money, career, success, and status in our communities, our hobbies, our families, our children's academic and financial success, or their athletic performance. We should do that because this is it. In fact, if Jesus is still dead, turn off the live stream right now. Get up and walk out of this sanctuary, even on Easter. Because we're wasting our time in this room today if Jesus is not risen. And by the way, if you walk out, don't ever come back if Jesus is not risen. It's just plain stupidity. Do you get the point? To worship a dead man and call him Savior. To follow, love, and obey Jesus, especially if it brings opposition and suffering. You've got to be kidding. It's just futile religion. If the dead can't be raised. If Jesus was not literally and bodily raised from the dead on Sunday morning after he died on Friday evening. But, if, Jesus rose from the dead. Then that truth must change everything in our lives. Everything. Everything. All the stuff we just talked about. 
Even as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. That is, those who have trusted him as Savior, as the living and, 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 and reigning resurrected king. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We won't all die, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the, twinkling of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Implied there is who rose from the dead. That's how he gave us the victory. As Romans 6 verse 9 says, we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. This is reality. This is the undeniable truth of history. Paul wrote at the beginning of chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, What I perceived, I passed on to you is of first importance. What's the main thing Paul always preached? That Christ rose, excuse me, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, Paul says, also as to one abnormally born. You see, to deny Jesus' resurrection is a flat contradiction of eyewitness testimony. Over 500 eyewitnesses to the fact. To deny Jesus' resurrection is simply to deny actual history. Almost all of Jesus' disciples would eventually die a martyr's death because, listen to me, because they proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus and said he was the king today, and that our allegiance, above all allegiances, national or otherwise, should be to Jesus. They told the world that he not only was a living and reigning king, but he was going to be the judge of all the world, and that they would answer to him. And because of this message of the resurrection and the implications of the resurrection, they died martyrs' death. Now here's the thing. Nobody allows themselves to be executed for, or be, by beheading, for example, or by crucifixion, as Peter was martyred, over what they know to be a lie, a trick, or a dramatic ruse. 
if you know you're lying about something, you're not going to die for that. Right? If they made up the resurrection, if it was just a trick, they would have never died for that. Why would they die for the resurrection message? Because they saw him alive. They touched him. When he offered his hands and feet, those places where they had driven the spikes through his wrist and through his feet, and, and said, touch me, see, I've got flesh and bones. They touched him. They talked to him. They watched him eat. Ghosts don't eat. Hello? He ate. Jesus is risen. God cannot lie. If God is big and strong enough to keep his word by raising Jesus from the dead, then listen to me. You don't ever have to worry about God not doing what he has said he will do. Frank, no matter what the news says, no matter what's going on in the world around us, Jesus is coming back. Jesus will make all things right one day. And that's why Jesus' disciples are willing to die for the sake of the proclamation and allegiance to Jesus' lordship. Because they knew the resurrection was true and critical, and they would not deny it no matter what. If you have doubts about other things the Bible says and teaches, questions about why God's word says what it says. Anybody have any questions about the Bible? Just, just let me ask you that. I mean, come on. Let's, let's, we're a big group, but we can just be honest. I mean, you ever had any questions about this book? Okay, good. <laughs> Y'all are particularly honest on Easter. I like that. You know, if you've ever had questions about what the Bible says, what God, what God tells us in his word, a good place to start is by taking your doubts straight to Jesus. He's alive. Ask him about whatever that trouble is you're having. As you study the word, as you read it, as you're honest before God with an open Bible, more often than not, Jesus' resurrection will serve as an eraser in your mind to wipe away your doubts. Because, you see, here's the thing. If he rose from the dead, then the stuff that I struggle with to understand and believe, and, I, and I've still got some. After all these years, I've still got some things that are hard in the Scriptures to swallow, hard to understand, hard to, hard to believe. But if he rose from the dead, then all that stuff, the things I stumble over, suddenly, by comparison, those things are really small, aren't they? If he rose from the dead. And suddenly what I find in my life is, if he lives, and the bottom line is if he doesn't, we're in, I mean, none of it matters. But if I can believe that he lives today, then I can trust him with all these questions I've got about what the Bible means in certain places, what he's trying to tell us in, in, in that verse or in this story. I can just trust him that he's good and I'll figure it out one day or I won't. And he'll tell me when, when I get to heaven. Amen, Tim? Now, y'all know, and, and Tim is one of our, in my mind, one of the great, you know, just a great student of God's Word. Y'all know I take studying the Bible seriously. We're, we're, not, we're not supposed to play around in our Bible study. We're to dig deep. We're to think hard. We're to, we're to see what does the Word say because it is by the Word that we're changed, that we're saved and sanctified, the Bible says. 
But you know what? If he's alive, you can trust him with the stuff you had not got figured out yet. Jesus is alive. Our faith is not futile. God's not a liar. Our faith isn't futile. We have complete forgiveness of sins as proven by the Father's approval of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross seen in Jesus' resurrection from the dead so that we also have the hope of resurrection ourselves and eternity with God. Jesus' resurrection, it shouts the success of his sacrifice on the cross. It shouts the fact that Jesus fully satisfied God's wrath and justice against the sin of all of us, his sheep, who, all who ever believe in him. You know, if you're watching this today or if you're, you're in this room today and you've never trusted Jesus, what all this means is that today can be the day of your eternal salvation. Your sins can be completely forgiven today. God can't lie. And faith in Jesus is anything but futile. It is saving forever. So I invite you to come to him today. The literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important event in history. And therefore, your response to the literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus is the most critical decision you'll ever make. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, Paul says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, catch this, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can't be saved without believing Jesus lives. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you, that you profess your faith and are saved. Will you do that today if you don't know him? Will you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord? Will you believe in your heart that he not only died for your sins, but he rose again? God is telling you right now, if you will do that, he will save you forever. One pastor said, hallelujah, because of Jesus' resurrection, we're to be less pitied than anybody in the world, and we can be more grateful and more hopeful and more self-sacrificing than everybody else in the world. The world doesn't need to pity us. Because Jesus lives. Following Jesus with lives of sacrifice for his glory, let me tell you something. It's the only lifestyle that makes any sense. And living and raising families like the world around us makes no sense if Jesus lives. None. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15 puts it this way. He, Jesus, died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. If Jesus lives, it changes everything, and he is risen. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, sums it up. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Paul looks at the church at Corinth, and he says, all right, I've, I've, I've showed you how stupid it would be to... Follow Jesus if he's not alive, if he didn't rise from the dead. I've showed you how critical it is to your faith that you, that you believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, stand firm. 
He does live. He is alive. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How do you know it's not in vain? The only thing that makes it not in vain is if he's alive. But if he's alive, you're going to stand before him. You're going to enjoy his presence forever, but you're going to stand before him. You're going to answer for how you lived your life. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl will stand before the risen king and judge of all the earth. Therefore, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so it only makes sense for us as Jesus' followers. We should change our routines. We should adjust our budgets. We should alter our ideas and thoughts and plans. Even sacrifice our lives if it's required to accomplish God's global purpose. And Jesus gives us resurrection power with which to live for him. Romans 8, 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, if you trust Jesus, he's living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. You know what that verse means? Just very simply. You have all the power you need indwelling you by the spirit of Jesus himself to help you live different than the world, to help you live a, a radically different life because you worship a living Savior. You have all the power you need to do that, to stand out from the world, to be completely different, to think completely different, to, to live completely different, to give completely different, to spend completely different, to manage your time completely different. We don't have that power in ourselves. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because the Spirit lives in you. As you marvel at your risen Savior and Lord this morning, what part of your heart, what part of area of your life needs to change? What is it that we need to freely surrender to Jesus today that we have been hanging on to? You know what Easter is all about? It's, it, it's about worshiping a risen King and following Him, surrendering to Him. You know how you really worship? You can tell if you're really worshiping the risen Savior. How are you following after him? Are you obeying him? You know what Jesus said? If you love me, you'll do what? You show up at church. You'll throw a 20 in the offering plate. You'll a list of all these things. What does it say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Are we following him? The literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important event in human history. Therefore, your response right now, both as believers and unbelievers, is to the literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus is the most critical decision you will ever make. And let me just say this as we close. If you are not following Jesus, if you look at your life, and there's no difference between your life and, and that of someone you know that, that doesn't claim to follow Jesus, then please hear what I'm saying. You may not be following Christ. Because if you encounter the risen Savior, if you trusted Him, He comes to live in you and your life changes. 
Now, does that mean you're, that, that if we call ourselves Christians, we're perfect? No. Will we always be struggling and growing to be more like Jesus? Yes. Always be trying to grow in our obedience? Absolutely. Always being, having, having to turn away from sin, repent, and, 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 and turn and obey Jesus? Yes. But they will be, there will be a trajectory about our lives. There will be a difference. Behold, all things have, the old things have passed away. When Jesus comes, all things become new. We, he changes us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, in our lives as your people, be glorified. For Jesus lives, and we name his name. Start with us, your people. Revamp our lives. For if you're alive, Lord Jesus, then the only reason we're left on this planet is so that your beauty can be seen in us. That you get glory because of us and how we live and witness to a world that so desperately needs you. But Lord, I pray for any in the place or via live stream who have yet to trust you as Savior. I pray today, God, that they would run to you. That, that, that today they would see Jesus as he is, the risen and reigning King and tender, tender and gentle, compassionate Savior, ready to forgive, ready to, to give righteousness, ready to give eternal hope and everlasting life. Lord, cause them to run to you, I pray. And in it all, may the risen Christ be praised. So pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, and as we close with a song, this altar is open for you to respond however you need to today. Maybe you just need to come and pray for your own life, something that the Lord's spoken to you about. Maybe there's somebody on your heart that needs Jesus and you want to pray for, for them that God would work in their lives. The doors of our church are open to receive members any way we can. Just respond to, to, to the Lord as, as we sing.
said amen and amen that is a true true song you may be seated for just a moment just a moment uh, first of all on your way out this morning pick up those books I mentioned earlier there I've got them here somewhere the two little books um, the case for Easter um, a defense of the resurrection of Jesus and also the Easter stories for kids so pick up those on your way out those are our gifts to you also if you're visiting with us for the first time today and you did not see somebody as you came in at the welcome table and fill out a little uh, visitor's form. If you would be uh, so kind as to do that on your way out, um, I'm going to ask uh, Sheila and Vanna uh, if you guys can be there and help uh, folks with that on their way out. That'd be awesome. So we can connect with you and see how we might serve you or pray for you and your family. Also on the way out this morning, our quarterly foreign missions offering as well as our normal morning offering uh, on your way out. Uh, give generously for the glory of Christ in the world. No prayer service tonight. We'll be back together next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Enjoy celebrating uh, the resurrection of Jesus with your families today. And then Wednesday, we'll be back here. Wednesday evening activities as normal at 6.30. Uh, youth, children, two adult Bible studies. Children and youth, you can show up at 6 for pizza or something good to eat. Okay? All right. Any other announcements that I have failed to mention? It's our joy to have you here with us today. Good to see so many of you, um, and, and glad you're here. Just know you're welcome each and every Sunday. We would love to see you back with us next Sunday morning. Um, and so thank you for coming out today. Um, we pray you're encouraged, and uh, if there's any way we can serve you, that's what we're here for, is to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Pastor Trey, would you dismiss us in prayer this morning?